Stop! Sure you want the rest of it? Dirty Harry Welcome back to Dirty Harry Minute, a podcast that reviews every minute of the 1971 Warner Brothers classic Dirty Harry, starring John Vernon. I'm one of your hosts, John, and uh, regular co-host Trent is back. Hello. Thanks for coming. My pleasure, as always. Any update from Tim? Uh, I don't know. What did we mention last time? He's just had successfully delivered birth. A, a, a baby. A baby. We, we have confirmation it is a girl and her name is Claire. Claire. Mm. Nothing Harry related. No, sadly. Is there a Claire in one of the sequels? I no, not recall. to my knowledge. Yeah. But today uh, we are joined not only by uh, Trent, but returning guest from Brisbane, uh, Ashwin Sikhar. Hey, what happens? Do we have to introduce ourselves every minute? Um, have you got anything interesting to say about- That's new? Well, I was just trying to work out what my favourite gummy bear flavour is, and I think it's blue. <laughs> I don't know what flavour that is. Do you know what flavour blue is? Blue doesn't appear in natural foods, no. does it? It's always conspicuously absent. It's a warning sign in You've nature. Got, yeah. <laughs> that's why George Lucas had blue milk in Star Wars, I think, Michael, because he knew in science fiction that's what people would want. Well, Ashwin, sitting to your right, is returning guest, one part of such great lives band bassist, Michael. Hello, everyone. Here we are, back for the second time round. Yeah. Thanks for not leaving, Michael. No, I'm no longer a rookie anymore, I guess. <laughs> no, uh, uh, Charlie Sheen is the rookie. Um, Shane, welcome back again. Hey, g'day. How are you? Good. Do you feel um, your privacy is invaded? You're sharing a microphone with Michael. That's all right. We know each other quite well. Cool. And returning guest, Amy Hetherington. Hey, how you going? I'm Very good. thrilled to be back again to talk about movies and uh, gummy bears, you know, the important things in, in the world. Yeah. Today started off well for you. You said you had a very helpful Uber driver. I had the most delightful Uber driver because I had to come from, what, Footscray to Reservoir, so it's like 40 <laughs> minutes God. or something. He was a delight. We had a, a good chat. He enjoys- Was he? Was he an ex-cop? No, no. He's, a, he's a civil engineering student who mm. um, has a really good attitude towards life and has never had alcohol before. So we had heaps in common. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we are reviewing Minute 71. The minute begins with Harry saying, what are you talking about? And ends with the judge giving his opinion on the admissible. What did you think of this, movie, this minute, Trent? Uh, I felt Boring. tension rising. It, you know, it's slightly infuriating because you're seeing, you're finally really seeing uh, bureaucracy in full swing of action yeah. and our hero or anti-hero, uh, you know, all his hard work being suppressed. Yeah. Mm. Did you like this minute, Shane? Yeah, this is good. This carries on um, an interesting scene. And I think the tension that Trent spoke about is, you know, I felt that as well. And uh, yeah, Harry's going to be pretty disappointed pretty soon. You know why Harry is Santa Claus? Why? Because he can look at you and he knows whether you've been naughty or nice. <laughs> you have the best laugh on the sh- uh, podcast, Shane. Can you give us one now, please? No, no, no I may not. <laughs> Do not laugh at that. I mean, it's, you know, comedy's fun. Um- <laughs> but not for everyone. <laughs> we have professionals in the room. No, it's, it's, it's a good scene, this one again. Like, we, we find out so much more about the internal workings of the justice system and all the things that are wrong and 
trying to be right about it. Um, I, I was really interested in how expensive it is to trial someone. Exactly the point I was going to yeah. bring up. Where yeah. does he get that figure for? Half, Half a million dollars. dollars. Is that how much it costs to do stuff? Because I've never heard done anything that's worth half a million dollars. Well, this is um, the 70s, so <laughs> inflation. Yeah. Think of how many trousers. Yeah. Thirteen ninety nine, make uh, it hurt, 20, Shane. Wow. Do we know where is he get? Is that a standard figure that everyone in the you know the decade recognizes as what a court case costs? Half a million dollars sounds expensive even by today's standards. Yeah. So, nineteen seventy one Australian five hundred thousand dollars in two thousand eighteen would be five point four million dollars. <laughs> no, <Nah. laughs> he, so, he made that up. <laughs> I, I don't know what that. I can't be asked doing the American conversion, but I mean it's significantly going to be a lot more. Oh. It's just an alpha male figure. Like if he said. I'm not spending $2,100 to try this case. Like, it doesn't have the same gravitas. Yeah, no, yeah. half a million dollars. Is- That's manspeak. You know, it's alpha males. <laughs> manspeak. You know, like he's trying to alpha male. I don't know. I, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, it, he's good. At, he, you can't be good at everything, can you? Maybe, maybe budgets isn't really one of his strengths. <laughs> no. It's fine. You can't have that one. I just, I, I, I'd be amazed to think about. Well, I mean, it would be expensive to trial somebody for a murder case, wouldn't it? Because yeah, we yeah. you have to investigate it. You have to like hire all the lawyer peoples. The the jury gets paid. <coughs> the all the other things that you have to pay. Psychologist mm. and uh, like all the yeah, yeah witnesses and yeah. I'm going back mm. to like all the serial killer movies I've uh, watched, yeah, and it's like yeah. all of the different things you have to do to try and get the evidence together, like yes. a whole investigation team. Yeah, maybe it does cost that much. Wow, paying. That's- the jury, jurors, uh, $2 a day or whatever it is they get. Is that, <laughs> is that it? God, that's, that's, that's a bit more than that. How many jurors do you need? Probably it's, 24 think, of them. I think it's 70% of your weekly, of your daily wage. Oh. They, they, they will. <laughs> As a comedian, it's like, oh, well. <laughs> um, there was a review on IMD message boards, Trent, before they closed them. They said, the DA, like, why has he got his tie undone if he's got his jacket on? Like, you know, it's someone who wears uh, shorts but then wears a jacket. Like, is he hot or is he cold, you know? Well, he might might have been caught um, in this situation. Like, he might not have been ready. Like, you know, he could yeah. have been doing something, you know. I don't know. I've, I've never tied a tie before. So, I'm, I'm impressed he's got something around his neck. <laughs> you know. Does anyone here know how to tie a tie? Oh, yeah. it's a strict yeah. English just boarding school. Yeah. Oh, you do, You know, not just the full half Windsor, but the full. The full. I don't know what the name was, but yeah, it wasn't a clip on. We had to do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I've done it. Yeah, the, the first twist, the first step is always the hardest. What you need to do is go onto YouTube. Yeah, yeah. You just copy. Go onto YouTube. The rest of it just follows the way. Yeah, because like I've tried it before, and like sometimes it's too long or too short, and then like it's. Yeah. I mean, like first world problems. That's like, <laughs> they follow that in the video. They they explain how do to do that. that. They do. Okay, that. so you know, like after this, I'm gonna watch a YouTube clip about how to tie a tie. Because yeah. you, you know what? If you're not laughing, you're learning. Exactly. <laughs> and you just tie it once, and then you just leave the knot in there forever, and wash it with the knot and everything. And you never have to do it again. Yeah. That's how I live. Oh. And if you wanted to flirt with someone, you just correct their tie. You know, there's that nice moment where you're just slightly choking each other, and it's like, oh, that's really nice. Wow, flirting Lovely. is different. Oh, <laughs> it was New Zealand in the 80s. <laughs> um, I've just got two notes. Trent, Tim said he, he called this DA this unprofessional asshole. Quote, end quote. Quote, end quote. And he Who's looks like a smug him? bastard. Tim, our, our host, who's unprofessional. Uh, yeah. Wow. And my note just said, and I did these notes a year ago before we started the podcast, I've just said, D.A. Elvis impersonator, discuss. Uh, the right. sideburns? <laughs> yeah. I think it was to do with the big ring we see on his, his Oh, uh, yeah. 
hand what, later. What stage of Elvis's life is he <laughs> taking on? Is this like the peanut butter bacon sandwich stage? Or? I think so. Slightly receding. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. I, he looks sweaty enough to do it. It's <laughs> the very dark black hair yeah. that Elvis had. Mm. Do you, do you think that, like, I, every time I think of an Elvis impersonator, they have to be sweaty? Like, that's that's <laughs> a part of what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. Where has that come from? Why do I think Elvis and sweaty as the same thing? Mm-hmm. That's a thing. A not, you're not thinking of his movies. Okay. You're thinking of the white jacket yeah. later in life yeah. on well, stage no, under even, the lights. Even in the 68 comeback special, he's got the black leather on and yeah. everyone was, yeah, he's dripping sweat, but he's he's doing a lot, isn't he? Good on him. I also like you could drive a semi-trailer through his bottom teeth. Check that out. Look at that gap. By the way, I do find gaps attractive in yeah, people. But That's um, a thing know. now, isn't it? The, the imperfections are really yeah, hot. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been a thing for ages. My, yeah. my uh, date to the year 12 ball, uh, Sean Laurie. Oh, bless. What a gorgeous boy. Yeah. He had a, he had a, he's never going to listen to this. <laughs> he had the perfect gap between his teeth. And I was like, that is the best. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was really weird making out with him because my yeah. tongue got stuck. Yeah. It, was, it was a rough time. But I got to take him to the balls. So that was great. I asked him um, when I was on crutches so he felt sorry for me. So he couldn't uh, say no. Yeah. Strategies, guys. Imagine he had braces as well. Like your tongue mm. would get caught in the gap, but oh. then it get caught in the metal as oh. well. There's a, there's, a, there's a bit going on there. Jesus. There's, a, there's, a, there's a lot. Dirty Harry Minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's obviously no civil engineer like Mr. Uber. Yeah. Do you like the gun there, Shake? <laughs> Do I like it? No, it's horrifying. It's, it's a hunting rifle with a scope and it seems like a silencer. What a weird place to put it. There's you know? definitely a workplace health and safety issue with that <laughs> storage That should system. be in an evidence cabinet. Even if you're not going to use it as evidence, you don't get to take it home with you at the end of the day, mate. Yeah. And, he, and he just picks it up without gloves and stuff, doesn't yes. he? That, that was one, but I watched that and I was like, no, I've seen CSI. You don't do that. Yeah. Always gloves. That's why it's not admissible as evidence <laughs> yeah. anymore. Do you think Scorpio is a kind of nut that would have given it a name or sleep with it or is that a stretch? Uh, Lucille? Lucille. No, def- definitely. Harrietta. Yeah, he would have he would have named it. It would have pride in his bedroom. It's it's seen a lot of things that gun, I reckon. It's seen a lot. It's worth half a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be. Like actually the prop would probably be worth that, wouldn't it? Like a collector's item. Like how much do you reckon like yeah. collectors of dirty harry mer- like mm. mem- oh, yeah. memorabilia? Mm. Half a yeah. million for that gun, you reckon? <laughs> Looking at you. I want, about, I want the Magnum, you know. <laughs> no, I'd rather his Luger. I'd like his Luger at the end with the you know on the bus. What would you do with it? I'd just Feature, I'd feature it in my life somehow. Uh, please don't run around the streets. With <laughs> <No>. it. <laughs> Once again, Shane, we're talking that conceptually it maybe just worked out that way. All Scorpio's guns are former Axis guns. This is, a, I think, a paratrooper Japanese rifle with an altered scope. And he has the, um, he has the German Luger, of course, synonymous with World War Two. So we don't know much about him, but this insinuates that he maybe is ex-military or... Perhaps. Yeah. Or has a rich dad who can help him buy these World War Two artifacts. Once again, Shane, it's another example in this movie of like his authorities just finding it necessary to pick up the gun or discuss his gun. Like the chief does it earlier when he talks about the elephant gun, the gun that he's going to take to the roof. And here it's like the DA grabs it because he thinks, oh, maybe actually how can't trust Harry. Maybe he'll turn the gun on me. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that scene where he's picking it up. And I mean, regardless that it's just like sitting, sitting there, um, not in a cabinet or whatever, that he goes over there, picks it up, checks it out. He seems very familiar with um, weapons, but of course they're cops. Like, they, of course they would be. He's right? Yeah. He's a DA. Is, is the judge the ultimate cliche character in this film? Well, yes. He's supposed to be modelled on 
actually the Miranda judge, Earl Warren. Yeah, right. Who was from the East Bay, I think, Berkeley. Um, you know, if we're talking bureaucracy, I mean, in, in the 60s, 70s, probably up till now, you always had a, a short, bald guy with a moustache, you know, the authority yeah. oppressing everything. Mr. Callahan. Yeah. Um, I mean, he doesn't say that, but he may as well. Mm. Well, he uses the third person for everything. They're like, these bureaucrats are just talking about the theory all the time, not the real-life application. They say the girl, the suspect, the police officer. Even when Harry's in the room, he doesn't say Callahan. He says the police officer. I think the legal profession in general, can you make you speak in third person? Mm. There was a lawyer on mm. Q&A, and it was just so boring to listen to her because she was constantly caveating and tangenting <laughs> and everything was third person. And They sterilise things, yeah. Mm. They absolutely sterilise it. And, like, I think it, it, it makes you hate the system more, his character in this film, like, because... Dirty Harry's a human being and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I get your emotions and your feelings. And this guy comes in and just like totally drags all the feels out of the situation. So you kind of go, oh, no, you're wrong. So then it helps for that that storyline and that progression. But like looking at him, he looks like he looks a bit, you know, what's that cartoon character, the Richard Duck? Who's the, oh, Scrooge McDuck. He looks like the Scrooge McDuck human. It's great. Yeah. I like it with those eyebrows and that. Yeah, he's so Scroogey. I was originally thinking um, Spacely from the Jetsons. You oh, know, right, yeah. Mr. Jetsons but a bit boss. Thinner, right? But but thin, and taller. But no, Scrooge McDuck's perfect. Yeah, no, he's totes. I don't know if he's rich, but he's definitely got a nicer tie than the other guy did. That's Which, a pretty contemporary suit, Michael. Do you think? Like that pretty looks fairly modern. I mean, he could get married in that. Yeah. <laughs> definitely not one of those classic seventies sort of you know yeah, that era, right. yeah. like not, not so grey and everything. The way he talks actually, remi- I don't know why, but it reminds me of the Chief and Get Smart. Oh yeah, just the way he clipped, like he's very well enunciated. You know. Yeah. The evidence obtained thereby, Max. Yeah. <laughs> 99. I'd love to see a judge that just slurs and <laughs> speaks colloquially. Like, oh, you yeah, know, just go, go to the pub after hours. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 4.21 on a Friday, you'll find one, I reckon. <laughs> well, in, in criminal law, I was studying at Latrobe here. We had a very um, blokey barrister teaching us, like, the finer points of criminal law. And he had suspenders on and he, he was like, oh, he had that sort of voice. He was going... You know, at tutorials, he's going, now, now John, uh, what's a burg when it's at home? What's the definition of a burg? Yeah, that sort of. <laughs> wow. Quite often you find the barristers that actually are in criminal cases are quite blokey and they have beards and, I don't know, they may be compensating that they're... Aussie. <laughs> Your Honour, I contest that this was not me up and up. Yeah, no, I contest that he's just a loose unit. <laughs> I shudder to think what the DA would look like in, in the NT. Ah. Uh... Do we have one? <laughs> White Schuber grade type. Like I'm, I'm thinking the 70s Queensland. Like yeah, probably in a Cobra and- hat. Like he's probably rocking that. Might have been to Goat Island before. Who knows? <laughs> that was him. <laughs> For listeners, um, any American listeners over there would know in the 80s, Australia was marketed as down under, right? Trent? Mm-hmm. Top end. Is that something that Territorians use for themselves? Like up the top end in yeah. New Darwin or is that just a marketing thing? Well, look, there is there is a big like, – have you heard about the big marketing thing? You might, might, probably haven't heard this Darryl before. Summers. Right? So, no, no, Northern Territory, right, population crisis at the moment. The NT government has freaked because we're like losing heaps of people. So they've spent $3 million on a marketing campaign to try and get people to move there and to change the fact that it's a bogan like place to change that like stereotype and 3 million dollars the campaign they came up with is called boundless possible Wow. What would a linguist think about that? That is very worthy. Well, because nothing says not bogan like illiteracy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so bad. $3 million, boundless possible. So, are they wanting them all to go to Darwin or all over the state? All over the territory. There's actually cash incentives to get people to move there. So, there's $3,000 for singles to move to Darwin 
uh, if you're keen, <laughs> I haven't really sold it. <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they're desperate for people up there at the moment. Um, if you're a comic, though, don't move. It's my cash cow. I'm not sure. <laughs> Say that again. Boundless possible. Boundless possible. Wow. Yeah. Linguists, yeah. linguists are running because poets are supposed to do that. They're supposed to just corrupt the language a little bit, but yeah. that's too much. It's, it's too much. Yeah. It's so bad. Boundless possible. It's Miranda writes coming 2050. <laughs> move here, Southerners. If you could rebuild Australia again, Darwin should be the capital because mm. it's, it's right on the edge of Asia, the future. We are the gateway God, yeah. to Asia for sure. Like, and that's like a big part of like the, 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 the work and stuff up there. But like it couldn't be a capital because we can't get anything done. And like it's too sweaty there. Like yeah. you can't make big decisions when you're stuck <laughs> to a plastic chair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad someone said it. I've been wow. saying that in my head for years but yeah. too terrified. Yeah. <laughs> but you got the nice, lovely um, crocodiles, right? Yeah, yeah. There's more crocodiles than people up there. It's, it's sick. <laughs> Paradise. Yeah, I know. I'm, yeah. Lots of tattoos up there as well. Yeah, neck tattoos are pretty mm, popular. Mm. That was the funniest thing that struck me, uh, Trent. And, and Mitch, yeah. yeah. I was just blown away by all these people with Cockney accents, yeah. English people, tanned and working like public services, like cleaning up garbage and stuff. I'm like, that's interesting. Like a, a, like a Cockney guy going, cool, cool, blind me, mate. With, uh, yeah. wow. Can I just ask, John, that t shirt, is that from St. George Bank or Pete's Dragon or what is that? <laughs> A shout out to one of my favourite Canadian podcasts, Sneaky Dragon. I won a competition. They sent me this oh, lovely shirt. Nice. Do the Canadians know about our St. George's Brank in Australia? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ripping it off the mascot. That's one Commonwealth country you haven't lived in, Ashley. Canada. Canada. No, it feels like the the cold version of Australia, though. I think I could be there. Do you ski? No, I uh, tried in New Zealand. I grew up there and um, I just, I'm scared of things. Like, I'm scared of standing up while travelling fast. <laughs> How do you go on trains? I'm holding on really tight to everything. So, yeah. No, do you I have don't. to sit forward? Or can you sit back? Oh, I sit back and I hold. I'm a bobsledder. And oh, like oh, wow. you, Yeah, like the other day. Really? This is, oh, no, I'm not bobsledder. Not like, the, not like cool <laughs> running spots. Like, just me. <laughs> yes. Um, but my friend and I went ice skating the other day to learn. Mm. And I was just holding on to the edge like pulling myself on slowly and he just sprinted and neither of us knew how to do it but within 15 minutes he was skating and I still can't skate so yeah, the t- the that's the way to do ice it. Ice skating is not to fear you have to just go for it yes. because the moment you start to correct or think about your body too much that's when you're going to fall over yeah. and break your wrist because that's what ice skating does it breaks wrists. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I took a school excursion ice skating, ice skating in Darwin and two kids Skating broke. in the tropics? Yeah. Uh, do you know what? Another Darwin story, right? Um, Darwin has the world's most successful and undefeated ice skating team. Because they ch- they've challenged all these national teams and no one's turned up. So they've counted them all as wins because we never had an ice skating rink. So they'd like, they'd invite like Canadian teams and like all these teams across and no one ever turned up. Because they thought they were being punked. Yeah. Well, they were. So Darwin's officially the undefeated ice skating team. But now they've got an ice rink and everyone's panicking. Do they have a t-shirt? Oh, I can get one. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Back to Northern Territory Minute. Oh, we'll come back to Northern Territory later. Um, someone online called this Judge Bannerman a pointy-headed intellectual. Do you go with that, Ashwin, that description? Yeah, I actually liked him, though, because he made this theoretical concept of inadmissibility of evidence quite interesting to me. Like, and it made me think about, well, you have to do things the right way because otherwise society breaks down. And I kind of mm. liked his character. He was. He's not supposed to be likable. He's supposed to be this anal retentive voice of reason. So I think he did a good job of condensing voice of reason into a human. 
Is this sort of like Harry is a student being brought in to see his teacher, the immediate teachers, the DA, and then Bannerman, the judge, is like the principal that's just mm. been, he's there to give an extra air of authority. Yeah, it's like Kung Fu Panda where you've got Shifu <laughs> and you've got Uguay at the top and Uguay just says things every now and then, but he, he says the most profound things. It's fucking Yoda. It's my favourite <laughs> reference of all time. Kung Fu Panda. That's so good. Michael, do you think any... It's 1971. Do you think any woman has actually been in this office? Directions off bounds for women back then? Uh, to dust the desk. But not, not to sound, of, like, honestly, or yeah. to type yeah. things up. That, yeah. That's it. Well, even the, even the reception lady who welcomed him in didn't no. step over the line. She opened the door and let, let him yeah. in. You know, maybe it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bloke zone. It's, but also, like, you can tell there's no female presence in there because it is a boring-looking room. <laughs> yeah. It's really boring, apart, yeah. apart from the plant, which I've talked about before being <laughs> yeah. like a really great plant. They've done a good job there. She probably looks after that because I, I don't think this guy's keeping plants alive. And it's right under the air conditioning vent. Yeah. That can't be good for it. <laughs> Do we get a close-up of the ring on, on the DA's yeah. finger? Like, I think that was part of the Elvis, why I thought it looked like Elvis. Yeah, so. like, I'm, I'm curious. We're talking about no woman has probably ever stepped foot in that office. Maybe it's a Masonic ring. <laughs> it could be a member of the Masonic Order. That's what order. I thought it was. When I saw <laughs> yeah. that chunky ring, I thought he's part of something. Or like uh, like a, what are the things at the universities that they have? Like the- oh, The Elma Matter. Yeah, like one of those things. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's in charge of one of those groups. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't I don't know enough about those things. He's paddled some goats in his time. Sure. <laughs> um. Haven't we all? <laughs> Do you guys like how in this movie there's been like two or three hero shots of Harry where the camera's from below him showing he's, he's, the, he's the master. But here we've got Clint Eastwood, who's six foot five, being dwarfed by these, um, you know, being shorter than the other uh, people in the room. Mm. I don't know if that was a conscious choice mm. or just worked it out It would have been. Way. No, I yeah. think I think there's this film has a lot of conscious choices with camera angles. Like every every shot I think was thought about what kind of vibe you'd get from the characters and who's the person in control. Because I think control and power is one of the biggest themes of this film. So being able to deliver that through camera angles has been like one of the successes of this film, I'd say. Michael, you're known to be a big, 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 big Schwarzenegger fan who loves this movie. Would you have liked to have seen Arnie in this movie? Well, Not enough one-liners. I don't know. I'd be, yeah, be, would, I'd love to see it for his one-liners, but I don't know if it would work. He would crush them. <laughs> probably break their arms off out of their sockets and things like that rather than shoot them. I didn't lend you the special features, but you've seen them, Trent? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, Schwarzenegger's interview. <laughs> When I came to America, Dirty Harry was my inspiration. He was walking, he, he, had, he was eating his hot dog, right? A hot dog. And he sees some glimpse of crime and he just, he's eating his hot dog and he comes and he shoots and he was my inspiration. Shooting the guy while eating the, still eating the hot dog. I remember that, yeah. Uh, are you a big fan of these sort of, are you a big fan of vigilante films, Ashwin? You don't have to say yes, but I think of the whole oeuvre of Taken and uh, Death Wish and Bronson, those sort of yeah, things. Yeah, I'm getting into it. I've gone onto Netflix. I only got Netflix about six months ago. Yeah, did you go Kiwi there? Yeah, I grew up Fox. in New Zealand, ah, Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> and I ended up in a Bollywood film bubble. So for the last oh. six months, I've just been watching Bollywood movies. So joyful. Yes. Oh, I love those. Yeah, right. And yeah. there would never be this much beige in like a season of Bollywood. <laughs> <laughs> so what's weirding me out. Need and that woman's touch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So this has broken me out of my Bollywood bubble. Uh, the Bollywood bubble. Oh, it sounds so shiny. <laughs> Please do check out the remake of this Kun Kun. We Kun Kun, yeah, yeah, the Bollywood version. Yeah. Oh, we've got to review that sometime. We have to. Like, after well. everything. Yeah. Yeah. You a big fan, Amy, of the Taken movies, the vigilante ones? Where 
Well, yeah, I, I, I love. Uh, there's no like, there's no pretense then of rights or anything. He just goes ahead and he kills everyone, whatever. I mean, he's not a policeman, but he's he's killing or Death Wish too. Just anyone associated, he's just. Yeah, no, I'm 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 all about it. I've I've seen some like what's that Netflix show Happy? Has anyone seen Happy? Oh, you guys all need to see Happy. It's it's messed up. It's it's a real messy show, but the main character just destroys everybody in the in the process of trying to do the right thing. There's a lot of killing and a lot of like it's a bit, it's a bit rough. It's a, it's probably R rated or something like that. But I I love that film or that series because the characters just like whatever. Like this needs to get done. Let's do it. And it's like I was like. Movies like Die Hard are movies that like will always be my favourite. And oh, Con Air, I've seen Con Air <laughs> so many times. Yeah. Me and my sister, for some unknown reason, it was our favourite film as young people, and we'd watch Con Air over and over and over again. And oh my god, I love everything about Nicolas Cage. Just more, more of that, please. Um, but yeah, movies where somebody's like, all right, let's get our hands dirty, let's get stuff done. Yeah, I could watch them all the time. Die Hard I was watching on the plane um, recently, Trent, coming back from, from Lisbon, and um, there's a scene where, you know, when when he's going, McLean, shoot, 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 and he runs off, you know, when they first invade Alan Rickman, and there's a scene of him looking at a neighbouring window, like Harry does, of a naked woman. Do you, do you know that slight scene? Mm, yeah. 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 I wonder if that was a nod to this movie. Could have been. And I also love he goes, you can't shoot me. There are rules for a policeman. Yeah, that's right. So so my captain keeps telling me. (laughs) (laughs) Very much a through line to this. Mm. Do you know why there's 60 pencils unsharpened on his desk? (laughs) 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 Seems excessive for the basic paperwork needs. I thought that too. I reckon, like, they're all sharpened. I reckon every time it goes blunt, he doesn't sharpen it himself. He just grabs a new pencil. It could be like that that Parks and Rec where Ron Swanson has this shotgun to intimidate people interviewing him. Yeah. Be careful. Maybe that's where most of the half a million dollar budget went. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe he literally uses the different Bs of the pencils, like the, the like the different like weights of uh, the lead. Yeah. You know how you get like two B pencils and whatever. Yeah. He actually uses different weights for different things. But does he have a pen license? No. <laughs> did, you, did you have to get a pen license at school? Absolutely. Yeah. Did anyone take longer than they should have to get their pen license? <laughs> yeah, I had my own pencil box because I've got a central tremor, so my hand used to shake a lot and I could never grip the pen properly. Oh. So I had like rubber little grips on there. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it was cool. No, I didn't have to share with anybody. That's so good. Yeah, getting your pen license. <laughs> to this day, my handwriting's still shithouse and probably even worse than it was back then. Yeah, but we invented typewriters and computers, exactly. so it didn't even I was need f- like faster than everyone as long as I was hammering shit out on a typewriter. I still don't get why they make people do like handwritten exams at uni. Oh. Like, because you don't do any handwriting for an entire degree and then it's like, all right, now you've got to write for an hour and everyone's hands are crammed and you're going, what? I didn't, I didn't, didn't warm up for this. It's like a, a hundred kilometers. A walk. Yeah. It's like, I didn't need to study for this. I know how to walk. Yeah. It's a hundred kilometers, mate. <laughs> well, that's pretty much all I have for this minute, except for the the central part of this minute, Amy. Do you think you could? Do you think you could talk a judge into admitting the rifle? Because oh, I was. I think that was probably the weakest little part of this. Is that them saying it's inadmissible? Like you, could, there's ways. Like I know, like he would have gotten in trouble and things like that. But the gun still, like. So he talks about ballistics in this bit, right? Like, yeah. I think they could have done some ballistics testing. Yeah, but isn't the point that they've uh, um, they've got this object that they have no right to have? Oh, so yeah. to examine it is taking it one step yeah. too far. So we, yeah, so it's I called the fruit the of the poisonous tree. That's in cases where you've given a search warrant and you can only search for things that are specifically yeah. mentioned. Like if you're looking for documents, you can only look in file cabinets or computers. 
unless the gun is in plain view. But that's where there's a search. There's no, there's no search warrant here. Unless we can back engineer it and say Harry was in hot pursuit of Scorpio. Yeah. But that comes back to that case we talked about earlier, Wong versus the US, that it wasn't really a hot pursuit because after the season, after the, the cross, it was dead, right? He just relied on a tip from the doctor who goes, I think the guy you want, who might not be the guy you want, lives in that stadium. So it was just a tip that he followed. Yeah. He wasn't actually following Scorpio directly there. The fine line. Yeah. If it was a hot pursuit, you could probably admit the gun as something that came up. And oh, this is when the cops like say, oh, and I smelt marijuana and so I entered the property. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Because you, you create the, the catalyst for a hot pursuit, right? Yeah. So maybe like if he'd have been running the whole time, he could have said that he was, I don't know, like there is a fine line there, isn't it? It's like, are you pursuing something because it's happening right there at that moment and if you don't do something something would happen or was it like a, a premeditated thought out thing that he's then gone and taken this piece of evidence and like that takes us back to when we're saying if if you're still alive would that have changed things mm. yeah do you want to give us another <laughs> uh, foray into legal uh, theory uh, well John? i will talk about the case that actually sums this one up a bit it was called wong sun versus united states and that's where there was an authorized search um Uh, a police officer undercover turned up to a laundromat and pretended he was a customer and sort of weaseled his way into the bedroom of the proprietor. And when he was in his bedroom, he sort of said, you know, I'm really here to ask you questions about a a drug deal that you might know something about. And the proprietor sort of tried to run away. Um, He found him like down an alleyway um, and got some information about him, about a third party who was called Toy, who was delivering drugs uh, apparently. And it was held these statements formed part of the arrest. Like, an, although this was an arrest, he was running away. It formed part of a whole situation of an un, unlawful search. The unlawful search caused the, the person giving the statements to run away. And therefore, it was inadmissible because the search should have got a warrant. So even the fact that he ran away from his home, it didn't count as a hot pursuit. So it's sort of like um, Scorpio here. Hmm. You sick of these Miranda rights, Shane? <laughs> no, I love them. I, I can't wait for you to talk about. Are you going to talk about parallel construction, <laughs> where we actually know the bad guy and we have we the evidence that. that we can't admit? You're, oh, you're already smell, right? Uh, right. like seven. You could just get a bum to write. Oh, I saw a suspicious man with a, a rifle Excellent. going in there. I'm glad we've gone all the way into that weed. You know, we have to keep on talking about it because Harry never remembers this in the sequels. In sudden impact, he's in front of the judge and she goes, it's the same old story. A cop doesn't get a search warrant. He just never learns. He needs to listen to this podcast. He does. <laughs> Might be a bit late. <laughs> You're still alive. You're still alive. It's, there's still time. It's always time to educate people. Well, that's pretty much all I have for this minute. Um, Amy? Many thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'll try and persuade you to do another one, but I think time is your enemy. But many thanks for coming along. No worries. Cheers. And Ashwin, do you think we can convince you for another one? Yeah, I don't have to do a gig for four hours, so I'm fine. Right. <laughs> that's going to be a long podcast. Yeah, that's right. And no one turns up to my gigs anyway, so I don't oh. mind it. No, it's just a, I don't mind that in a bad... It's, it's like first time festival thing. It's supposed to be like it's last night. To be brutal. Yeah, last night the couple turned up for a date. There's two of them and the whole audience, and it just became date night. And just the three of us had a group date. I was more like a third wheel. That's so that good. was the show. That's yeah. the dream. Buy them a bottle of wine, share it all together. Yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah. yeah. No way. Was this a first date? It was a six month date. So they've been dating a while, but they were getting to know each other through my oh. set. 
like what they like, like who was darker and humor than who was the other and what they like and don't like. So, yeah. You facilitated something beautiful there. Mm, yeah. Mm. You were the litmus paper of their sixth month anniversary. That's going to be on my next beautiful. poster. Yeah. That's also a T-shirt. Well, I'm just going to end with another, I'm sorry, guys, another Twilight Zone themed Rod Serling quote for this minute. Oh, yes. You mentioned in the last episode that the Twilight Zone is an uh, earlier incarnation of- Black Mirror. Black Mirror-ish. Ish. Ish. All right. All right. I'm glad we settled that. Go on. In that it's an anthology, vaguely science fiction fantasy in which, you know, dystopian, alternate versions of the world are presented. Black Mirror is very, it's very tightly around technology and computers and the internet technology, Um, robots, computers, technology, that kind of stuff. And Twilight Zone was much broader from- Maybe because yeah, it yeah. ran for much longer. But my understanding was it was very sci-fi in lots of directions, wasn't it? Yeah. There's a few episodes about technology where a computer, a dating romantic computer, find, becomes aware. That's a bit of a corny comedy episode. There's one, A Man and His Machines, where a man who hates technology, all the devices, like his electric shaver and that, turn against him and right. so forth. So, technology, yeah, I think. And, and there's another show, remind me the name. Outer yeah. Limits. Outer Limits. Outer Limits came later in Twilight Zone, the original. Oh, yeah, like a year yeah. apart, if that. Okay. Was yeah. Twilight Zone way more famous? in the day no did they get a release here at the time they would have yeah i assume it did but i mean because the twilight zone got replayed um in the 80s or the remakes did i mean the title's more memorable in australia than the outer limits outer limits might not have had three series so it wasn't in syndication oh oh, yeah that whole thing of syndication and four seasons yeah shit well, that, that, that rerunning in the 80s um, leads into my next question. How would you know this? You guys are way too young. Yeah. About 10 years ago, a guy gave me a whole terabyte full of um, Twilight Zone. I was just an addict. I love it. What? You were an addict. Black Mirror would do an episode on that. You'd love Black Mirror. It's great. Black Mirror, the episodes are gen- generally- Depressing? They leave you with- Like, oh, I, I had this thing where I would watch maybe two in a night, but then I'd watch cartoons for an hour and a half yeah. just to- Decompress. Yeah. You should watch Dirty Harry to decompress. <laughs> Simple tort story. Sorry, this is way off topic now. I know you're trying to wrap up the show about 10 minutes ago, yeah. Jumba. It sounds like a great show, but if it hasn't got an end narration like The Twilight Zone, count me out. Oh, we can make one for you. Here it is. The DA was only partly correct. Harry was wrong. But so was the city of San Francisco. Any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity of the innocent, that city is wrong. A case to be filed under M for Miranda rights in the Twilight Zone. We'll catch you next time on Dirty Harry Minute. Minute. <laughs> Minute. <laughs>